0: Hello everyone, thank you again. Uh, Welcome to our episode three. Uh, Thank you so much for just listening to our first two episodes. I hope you enjoyed them. Uh, Today we are continuing the conversation. Today we're actually talking about what is mental illness. So I'm pretty excited because there's just been some misconceptions of what that is. And so I'm glad that we have um, a therapist, a licensed therapist here to talk to us. well, I'm going to let Rodina introduce herself and then we're going to get into the conversation.
1: Thank you, Lawanda, for inviting me to come and participate in this conversation with you today. Uh, my name is Verdina Mezadu and I am a licensed clinical social worker and I am a licensed therapist. Um, I have a private practice in Royal Palm Beach and I am also a nonprofit founder and I love being able to talk about and train around the topics of mental health so I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Awesome thank you Rodina. Rodina is actually a National Coalition sister, sister in Christ, and just all around so I appreciate you Rodina for just lending us your time and just helping us with some of the things that we may be confused on. So I want to just jump right into it, Radina. What is the difference between mental health and then this thing called mental illness?
1: That's a great question. So mental health is something that everyone has, right? We want to put that in the same similar category of how we view ourselves as multifaceted people around staying healthy. So we have our physical health. That's how we um, eat, sleep, exercise. We know that we need to do what we need to do to pour into our bodies, in order to keep it physically healthy. Then we have our mental health. So that's how our brain functions. And our brain literally determines every single thing that we do. So that's why we call it the mind and body, and some people say soul or spirit aspect of things because you need all of those to intertwine because they interact with each other. And so with your brain, um, it tells you how you're processing life um, it also is the factor of why you feel certain things and why you behave certain things. And so we need to be mindful of our brain. So that's our mind and what our thoughts are and different factors that are contributing to how our brain functions. Um, our brain is like a, like a chemical dashboard um, of our lives and it keeps everything that has happened to us. So we respond out of places that we don't even know. It's so like mm-hmm. 95% of our brain is unconscious So a lot of our reactions are not even in our main conscious thinking. So that's why it's important that we continue to be mindful of things that are affecting us, of how we are engaging emotionally, um, and then also on factors that increase our stress and anxiety because stress is highly linked to also physical health conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, trauma is linked to physical health conditions. So we can't just say, okay, well, I'm good if my numbers are good at the hospital, but then we don't take care of our mental health as well. So we wanna be able to do both. And then mental illness is really a clinical diagnosis. Um, So Mm. that is to the point where you have seen a licensed clinician, either a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or a licensed therapist, and they have given you a clinical diagnosis um, of a mental illness. And typically you receive a clinical diagnosis when you're struggling with um, clinical symptoms, uh, depending on what the diagnosis is, but it has really impaired your functioning. So it stops you from being able to do your day-to-day things. Maybe you're not um, going to work or you're not waking up in the morning or you're having um, difficulty with relating to people or you're having difficulty with focusing. And it's to the point where maybe you're not having good academic performance, right? So maybe you're struggling with um, doing well in school um, or you're struggling with having relationships or you're struggling with um, having a normal day like other people are able to do um, and so when your functioning decreases that's when we want to look more at okay it's a mental illness right so i might eat a lot of sugar that doesn't necessarily mean that i have diabetes right um, or i might um so once i get to the diabetes portion that's when i have a physical illness so it's the same aspect so we all have our mental health to take care of but once we have our mental illness that's when we really have a clinical diagnosis that has impaired are functioning and that typically it's not something that we would want to manage on our own. We want to see a licensed clinician that could help with that or a psychiatrist and or a psychiatrist.
0: That's good, Rodina, because, you know, your definition of mental health is consistent with our last guest, Tierney Woods, who talked about what is mental health, and she said the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. If you're living and breathing, you have mental health. Um, so that's really good now the aspect of mental illness it is so difficult as we're in this context of the church and mental health and mental illness Uh, what is in your opinion why do you think there's such this huge stigma specifically in the black church surrounding like mental illness and they just think if you have a mental illness you are crazy you out of your mind I can't talk to you or whatever the case
1: yeah I think the concept of Uh, mental health even the psychology field is still relatively new um, as opposed to physical health Mm -hmm. so we're still all learning around the aspect of mental health and I think for a long time um, mental illness has been looked at as hysteria it's been looked at as um, psychosis you know and typically you don't think oh something is going on with that person until you might see them respond in an extreme way and that would be hearing voices or having a psychotic episode or breaking down to the point of you know having to go to a hospital. And that's what we're associating as, oh, something's really going on. So when they hear mental illness, that's what they think about. Mm-hmm. And in social um, media, or just our media in general, that's the dramatization of mental illness, is we only see a certain characterization of who, what mental illness looks like. So we only associate the extreme cases to that, and I think that's why there's this huge stigma because people don't want to have that association on them. Just to admit that there is something that they're going that they're going through, and that they have experienced things in their life where they're having difficulty with um, meeting their day to day needs. And so, if I admit that, then people might just associate it as the extreme cases, and we don't have enough language or even enough experiences. Because some of it is very hidden Mm -hmm. until it's very much out of control. Mm
2: -hmm. So we don't
1: have a lot of experience of seeing people deal with their mental illnesses in a way that's not the extreme cases and openly talking about that.
0: Yeah. Would you say there's levels of mental illness? I think you kind of touched on that. Like someone who could be clinically depressed is not really actively psychotic. So would you consider that being levels of mental illness or no?
1: So there's not necessarily levels. There is um, severity. Um, yeah, so there's a spectrum, right? So you can still have depression, but your severity of the depression ranges. And in the severe depression, you can still have psychotic features in that. There's a lot of there's a lot of, not a lot, but there's multiple um, disorders that have psychotic features when you're at the severity of the symptoms so we have that with depression we have that with bipolar we have that with post traumatic stress disorder mm. um and and so when we see psychotic people we typically just go to oh they have schizophrenia and they may not they might just be experiencing a very severe symptom of these other mood disorders as well
0: yeah what do you say to the christian or to the believer who says you know Rodina i hear you i hear you talk about these mental illnesses and um and they go and point out like a specific scripture where you know somebody who was demon possessed they were cultivating and forming out of the mouth and all of that great stuff what do you say to the believer that says mental illness is just flat out demon possessed
1: i would say that that person is probably not does not have a full spectrum of mental mental illness right i think that um that's a very spiritual nature to talk about. And, you know, in honesty, coming from a culture where there's a high belief in spiritual um, possessions, there's a high belief in, you know, just with me being Haitian, it's like, you know, conversations around voodoo or there's conversations around demons or evil spirits and and what you could do to put on someone. And so I think even for me, even as a Christian, um, as a therapist, sometimes I struggle with this aspect of, well is this is this someone putting voodoo on somebody is this um Mm -hmm. someone being demon possessed is this someone being um you know just having evil spirits is this the devil lurking around the corner you know so (laughs) i think there's so many things that we don't know Mm -hmm. um and there's so many things that we can't see in our earthly eyes Mm -hmm. and so one It depends on how this person is presenting themselves i would not say i think if someone came and said well that person is just demon possessed i would say that's a stigma and that's a generalization that you're putting on someone just because you don't understand what they're dealing with so we can't just we can't just be flippant with our words and say this is just one thing because we don't understand the full spectrum of what mental illness entails do i think some people might be demon possessed and can demonstrate psychosis sure absolutely if we are believers and we believe that there's evil spirits that come in and we know that jesus kept ca- jesus and other people in the bible casted out um demons and people then we know that there is people who are walking around demon possessed mm-hmm. i can't say that i would say that it would be um a travesty to the community to associate demon possession to every person who has mental illness like that literally hurts my heart to even yeah. think about that because i just think there's no compassion or empathy in that um and even if someone was demon possessed okay well what are we going to
0: do about that as a church as well Mm -hmm. yeah that is a very sensitive topic i'm sure especially for therapists because you know i think people in the church who are unaware automatically go to this idea of somebody being demon possessed because they're showing some um psychotic symptoms so as a, as a church member, Rodina, or someone who goes to your church that's also a therapist, do you ever have people come up to you and be like, Rodina, my family member is it's, it's, um, showing these type of symptoms, what should I do? Do I personally have that? No, I don't. Have you ever experienced someone coming up to you and just inquiring about a behavior that they may have seen in one of their family members?
1: Um, I'm sure that it has happened yeah I'm sure that it has happened where someone might come and share about some things that are happening in there yeah I've definitely had conversations with people who are like my son is dealing with this what would be helpful but typically because I'm not and I make this clear this around you I'm not everyone's therapist yeah. um, right and I can't be a therapist to people that I know mm-hmm. and so while i might, like, I can hear one thing I don't have the whole story so I can't clinically diagnose anyone that I haven't seen or who's in my care. So I'm very specific around that. Um, but also, you know, definitely encourage and listen and validate what that person is sharing, mm-hmm. but also connecting them with resources. Okay, well, maybe your son could go and see this person who deals with what your son is dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. So I always want to make sure that I'm connecting them with the way that they can get help, even if it's not directly with.
0: right tell me what are your thoughts on like in the school system I don't think it's as as, I don't think it's as often as it is now but I know back in the the past even when I was in school teachers would automatically in their head assume that a child they wouldn't call it a mental illness but they definitely would shout out like ADHD or their um, some other things that they would talk about with the child without even knowing, like you said, any information, what do you say to even the school system who just automatically label kids as ADHD or, or have some type of mental illness because of their behaviors?
1: So we want to, again, be mindful um, that the school is not allowed to just label kids. They have to go through testing. And so if you disagree, with some of the observations that you have, have them go see a mental health professional because the schools are looking at the kids around their educational needs, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they're having behaviors, those are indication, those are signs that something is going on. And so we do need to look at to see what that something is going on. Um, But I will say typically in the education system, if someone's not focusing, if they're having behavior, typically go to ADHD and that's not what ADHD is. It's not for behavior kids is for kids who are either hyperactive or they are um, having difficulty focusing and that does not mean defiant, Mm. right? So defiant behaviors is something else. um, That's not a care that that seems to be this characterization for ADHD and it's inaccurate. Um, But if you don't agree with what the school psychologist comes up with, do your own outside testing. Have your your child go to um, a psychologist privately that does cost money um, but have them be able to go and have a thorough examination of themselves that's not specific to the school district, that they're going to be looking at what is this child failing to give a diagnosis to provide some of those um, educational plans. So if you have an outside person, they're really just looking at your child and if, what your child needs, separate from what the educational system needs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That answers your question.
0: Yeah. that yeah. Um. So I just I heard you mention you are not, you can't see, as a therapist, you you can't be somebody's therapist who you're in close communication with or in a close relationship with. Can you explain a little bit why you can't um, be someone's therapist who you may be friends with or maybe be in a Bible study with or a life group with?
1: Yeah, so it's an ethical issue. It's um, So all therapists have a code of ethics that they have to essentially be sworn by um, and to keep their licensure. And part of the code of ethics is certain boundaries that are put in place that won't create what we call like ethical dilemmas. Um, and therapy is really has for a long time been a place where people don't wanna come, go to therapy. It's yeah. more now in the last five to 10 years maybe that therapy has been more of an open conversation that we're able to have about sharing openly that they're in therapy or inviting therapists to have these discussions. So a long, long time ago, people wouldn't go to therapy and they wanted to create a space where it was, if you just wanted to go just for yourself and you did not want anybody else to know and you did not want any other relationships in your life to be impacted and you just wanted to go, you should be able to have that privacy, that confidentiality and safety to process whatever you want and it has no impact on your personal life
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and you're not revealing information to people on your personal life before you want to just because you need to talk to somebody or you need some assistance you need some support you need some help Mm -hmm. and what they find that when you have a dual relationship um, with someone it's more than just the context of what you're talking about so Mm -hmm. now there could be a fear that what i talk to you might go to somebody else Mm -hmm. or I'm talking to you about my trauma, maybe I'm talking to you about my mother who, you know, physically harmed me, and then I see you at church, and then I'm recounting our session, Mm -hmm. because me physically seeing you is reminding me of all the things that we talked about, Mm. right? Or uh, maybe you know that I'm a therapist, and I'm seeing you, and then we're having a conversation, and people might associate you never know, but people might associate, oh, maybe that's one of her clients. She's- mm. So we want to keep the privacy as much as we can. We want to keep the confidentiality. And we want it to be a neutral place. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want you talking to me, thinking about how I'm going to be thinking about you when we're in an NCBW meeting.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, because you just told me some things that you were struggling with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We we wanted to feel like this is a neutral party there unbiased in a sense of they don't have any personal um personal relations with this person or even personal feelings about what that person is sharing outside mm-hmm. of just being in that space of mm-hmm. create trust and non-judgmental um and we know that it's hard to do that when you have a, another type of
0: relationship with that person and right. mm-hmm. make that and you know what rodina that makes sense i think about too if my friend is my therapist I just think that there's gonna be a little bit more emotional investment. Um, and I think therapists can have some type of investment emotionally with their clients, but not to the extent of, this is my friend and now she's doing this and now I'm I'm emotionally um, affected by it because she keeps doing the same thing over and over again. As if you're my therapist, there is no connection like that.
1: Right, right. Or even if, you know, you are, let's say maybe it's not as close as a friendship or you just know it, you just know a situation. Let's say we're in the same church and I know the same information that you know and the perspective that you're sharing may be different from even what I experienced. So we might create some type of ethic. Of course, you know, therapists wanna take a non-judgmental stance but we might create a sense where I can't just be in what you're talking about because I'm also thinking I was there when that happened (laughs) and I know what went on and the way that you're presenting that is not really what happened. You don't want any of those conflicts, any personal to come in to the relationship. That's even why, you know, if I'm seeing a client individually, I'm not going to see them and do marriage therapy with them at the same time.
2: Mm.
1: Either have an individual client or a marriage client because we don't want to create biases. We don't want to lean with more, uh, with one person over the other and a couple, just because I had some individual sessions, I don't want to create any um jealousy between the two um so there's just a lot that comes into place about what it could appear that doesn't isn't completely aligned, even if it's not happening in the
0: room.-hmm so
1: that's part of wanting to make sure that we remain a neutral party,
0: yeah, can you explain a little bit, Rodina, just jumping back? Can you explain a little bit how a mental illness can be developed?
1: So in, men, in, in the concept of um, mental health and mental illness, we don't say this is how you got your mental illness. Okay. So that would be like a causation, what we call it. So I can't say because you yelled at me, now I have a mental illness.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: we can say that there's factors that come into place that contribute stress. And because a high level of stress had occurred, then you started noticing that you were developing these symptoms, right? Because it's very, because all of this is based off of, um, it is based off of research, but we are also people's lives. So we can't ever just say, this is what caused it. But I can share some factors that mm-hmm. contributes to people who do have mental health illnesses. And when they have, looking at the similarities that comes up, have been these specific factors. So homelessness is a factor. Mm. Um, Having an absent parent, so having a parent that wasn't in your life or maybe they weren't emotionally available um, or they abandoned, you know, either you or the family. Um, A single parent household is a factor. Uh, community violence, domestic violence, infant mortality rate, losing a loved one. Um, Poverty is a factor having difficulty with maintaining housing, having financial stress, alcoholism, substance use, um, having a history of trauma is a huge Mm -hmm. factor, um, especially if it happened in childhood. Mm -hmm. Sexual justifications of your body Mm -hmm. um, or any type of sexual trauma. Racial trauma is a big one that we really should be talking about more, especially when we're talking about the black community or any um, people of color. Um, discrimination is a factor, having unemployment, health conditions, and this is not just the person who's experiences. This. this, is also, if you were in a family and these things happening, you witness this, that could be a factor, right? Um, immigration, assimilation into a different country or area, uh, so that could be people who are constantly moving around. Um, you know, we, we watch Property Brothers a lot, and, uh, one, one person said that he moved nine times in 10 years. right so what stability does that create that creates a lot of stress and you're having to constantly assimilate into so many different environments
2: Mm.
1: so that will play a factor Uh, foster care system teen pregnancy incarceration those are just like you know a generalist about risk factors I'm sure there's more risk factors in there but even those that we particularly see more often than not in the black community So we have to be mindful, not just looking at, well, how is this person behaving, but what is this person's story? What did they go through? What are some things that have not been addressed or that needs to be addressed or continuously addressed over time in their life Mm -hmm. that might be contributing, that might be a factor in them having a mental illness? But we don't want to say that it caused a mental
0: illness. Right. That's great. That's great that you even was able to clarify that because you know someone who's not really associated with the field what really think oh this caused this mental illness what caused it you know that's what i've heard families say working at south county always ask well, what causes you know and so um so i think that was just really good as you laid out some factors you know i was even thinking about you know me i'm always thinking about my own self mm-hmm. what the fact some of the things that you mentioned i've experienced this right. whole moving every year that was my sister and I and so it's really good to hear those things and do some type of self-check like okay where is this type of stuff coming from
1: right which you know for sure and there's some things on there that I've experienced right, right. and so I think that's why it's so important to distinguish between mental illness and mental health Yeah. because if we only talk about mental illness and someone has a clinical diagnosis mm-hmm. then that means we're only talking about people who's impaired their functioning and that's a small amount of our population who's impairing their functioning but most of our population have experienced those risk factors yeah so our mental health also has to consider our life experiences Mm -hmm. and so as even though we might not be at the point we have an illness but we are at the point um because we are we know that as a believer that there's going to be suffering in this world we know that we're going to have burdens that we need to lay down we know that we have life experiences. Nobody's life is perfect. That affects how we feel. And we have to process that because that comes out in how we relate to each other. That comes out in our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting,
2: mm-hmm. in
1: our moods, and our motivation for life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All of that comes up. And so if we only look at when, if we only took care of our health when we had diabetes, mm-hmm. <laughs> then we would be in trouble. We yeah. would be in trouble. So the mental health can also be a prevention mm. against mental illness, mm. um, but it can also just be around making sure you're living an abundant life, a fulfilled mm. life.
0: Virginia, mm. well, you've quoted some scriptures without quoting the scriptures. Yes, I heard you, my sister. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, now this is kind of, you know, but what role do you think the church play in regards to brothers and sisters in Christ who do suffer from mental illness? Or do you think they even play a role?
1: I do. I think the church can play a huge role. Um, I think the church is a hub and it's a community. And one of the things that restore us as people is being redeemed Mm -hmm. and continuously feeling connected to other people. I believe Paul said if we think that the Christian life is just about living an upstanding life, but then we don't love others, we've completely lost sight of what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So I think even in people who have mental illness, mental health, right? I I really hate, and I know that's part of what we're doing today, but I do in general hate distinguishing between mental illness and mental health because I feel like it continues a narrative around certain types of, Uh, and when we hear about certain type of people there's so many times I go and I speak around like mental health and then people come and they're like oh you know who needed this my cousin needed this my sister needed this they really got this going on in their life and I'm like hmm no I think you needed to hear this this." so Mm
2: -hmm.
1: while we do have people who are struggling more than others when we make it just about them we take ourselves out of the equation because we're not struggling the same way that they are. But we're all struggling, so I think as a whole, um, mental health or mental Ill- and or mental illness, um, the church is a community, and the way that we restore those those risk factors is having people come and sit with us, who is not trying to change us, but who could just be there to support, who could be there to listen, who could be attentive, who could be emotionally available, who can provide empathy and understand what you're going through. And even provide some resources if that's available or direct you to a resource that's available. But people want to feel like there there is research that says if someone feels like there's one person in their life who really cares about them, they're less likely to commit suicide. They're more likely to get through medical conditions and they're more likely to recover. And that's what the church is supposed to be. You don't have to know how to do it right. You just have to be willing to bring people in and feel, continue to feel connected with each other. And I really feel like that's what the church can be. It can be a prevention, and it can also be a restoration for souls to continue feeling connected with each other.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really good, Rodina. Even when I think about the church, I think we all do. We we are a church, a one body of of many members, because we have, the rodinas and the tyrannies who are the solid believers who are also professional licensed therapists Mm -hmm. and so they are are a part of the church and so or you have you know whoever you have doctors like nakia who's a part of the church and so i think that's a good point like we i think the church plays a major role um and dealing with our brothers and sisters who may be, chat, may be struggling mentally. I struggle mentally, you know what I mean? And no, I haven't been clinically di- diagnosed, but you know me, already. I'm always, mm-hmm. uh, I think I got a mental illness. Um, and and not even trying to be funny, but sometimes, you know, we who work a normal life or who lives, who people would consider normal, we just struggle. And so mm-hmm. I like that concept also to say, hey, I don't really want to continue to, to talk about, people who have mental illness but let's talk about the people who have not been diagnosed but still have mental challenges or are mentally unstable
1: because that's uh, all of us
0: yeah. <laughs> like
1: no <laughs> one is left out of this conversation right
0: are you sure because the other day i felt a little perfect I no, little perfect. no
1: <laughs> perfect. Uh-uh. i'm in this conversation you in all this right. conversation. all of us are in this conversation and we're all learning with each other and just mm-hmm. like our spiritual growth is not going to come just from sitting under a pastor we got to do our own work mm-hmm. we have to have our own um time with god right and so we can't just look at the therapist to say oh we got therapists in our church and they're going to be the ones who's going to help with mental health issues no it's all of us that's mm-hmm. helping with mental health issues it's you when you're inviting someone over for dinner you're helping with mental health issues mm-hmm. it's when you are going to the beach together when you call someone and say hey your mom died and i'm just calling to check up on you that's helping mm-hmm. with mental health issues. We mm-hmm. can't just leave it to when people are at a complete breakdown to say, yeah. well, what's the church going to do? That's, if I, t- less than 10% of the yeah. population. So we're looking at over 90% of the church who are hurting, but until they break down, you're not looking at them. You're not addressing
0: Yeah.
1: And we're yeah. all hurting if we're sinners.
0: Yeah, that's the truth. And that's, and, and Rodina, that's so good because, I think that's that, once again, that, that concept of just community,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: and one thing my pastor said the other day, he was like, jump in the life group, because you can't do this alone. It's right. just impossible to think that I can't be in nobody's Bible study group, or right. I, I can just do this alone. It's right. a red flag, too, when I hear not only men say it, but when I hear women say, you know, I can do this alone, it's like, sis, no, you cannot, you right,
1: know? Right. Um, and so... Yeah. And I think it's important not just to talk about, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I hope you can cut that out. <laughs> um. keeping so, it. <laughs> I think it's important not just to talk about the suffering, but to also gravitate towards the freedom and joy that mm-hmm. we get as well, right? Mm-hmm. So mental health is not just, Oh, let's just work through your difficult stuff. Let's just work through your issues. Mental health is how can I grab hold onto happiness? How can I grab hold onto peace, to contentment with God, to communion with God? How can I grab hold onto feeling like people in my life I could trust Mm
2: -hmm. and I
1: can know that they have the best interest for me? Mm -hmm. Um, How do I grab hold onto navigating in this world and being hopeful and Mm -hmm. pushing through my passion and pushing through my purpose? That is also mental health. It's not just working through the difficult stuff, it's we need to move over to living life abundantly and with joy. And I think there's so many ways where God gives us grace, he gives Mm -hmm. us love, and he gives it to us so that we can live freely. Yes, suffering will come, but I think ultimately it's the freedom and the liberty, it's the hope and peace that drives us to him, and that drives us to want to live life, Mm -hmm. So we can't. We can't miss those things because that's the ultimate place we want to be in, which is why we need to address the issues that
0: comes up. Yeah. That's good, Rodina. I think I think I think it's really good that we continue to have these conversations so that we can continue to educate the church. Right. You know, um, because especially the black church, you know, I'm passionate about the black church, um, because I think there are times where we just lack resources and Um, Another brother was just saying how Sometimes we're behind the ball And that's okay because God is good, he's gracious and he allows Us opportunities like these platforms And other platforms You know, Angela T with mental health in the church Um, So it's really good That God has allowed These opportunities for us to educate Our brothers and sisters So Mm -hmm. thank you for once again Lending us your time Um, Listeners, I hope you really got just some valuable information from rodina uh, rodina is a licensed therapist like she said her own business is restore wellness um rodina you taking clients right now
1: i am not taking clients but i will i do <clears throat> the clinician at my practice who's taking clients and i will gladly refer you to someone as well
0: oh that'd be awesome so um and also check out her nonprofit, dare to be a girl really um doing some great things for our little ones thank you sister um, right you're welcome Thank you all again. Please support us. Um, Pray for us, definitely, because we need prayer. But if you also want to support us financially, go ahead and go to our website. Click donate. Anything helps. So we are grateful for your willingness to even support the ministry. Thank you, guys, and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.